0: Good morning. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host and I have a pretty cool dude on today. Um, This guy, well, I'm going to, you know what? He's got an extensive resume that's unbelievably impressive. So I'm just going to let him tell you. I want to welcome my new buddy, Jason Tyne to the show. Jason, welcome to the show, man.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be here.
0: I'm 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 the one honored man. You're a you're a busy guy. I know you got a lot going on. Um but you know, I I, I like I told you I created this show to to help people get unstuck in life and um you know, I, I'm going to interview a hairdresser soon, I think, so I can figure out how to cut this mop that <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> Dude, the old flow be from the eighties or the nineties, just the vacuum cleaner.
0: I need one of those, man. I'm like, this is getting out of control, man. I never let it, you know? So anyway, but you know, there's a lot of people stuck right now. And I think, you know, by hearing your story, y- you'll be able to share how you got unstuck. Oh, do you know this? Do you know this girl, Vicki?
1: I do. I have met her. She was at an event that we were at the middle of last year. She helps a lot of people
0: I herself. Love, so yeah, very good. love, love Vicki. She's a dear friend of mine. So, yeah. um, so you know, let's start with, uh, you know, maybe telling everybody where you were born and raised.
1: Yeah, sure. I was I was born in a city called Rockford, Illinois. Uh, it's just north of Chicago. It's equidistant between Chicago and Milwaukee. And uh, my dad was director of global logistics for a company called Warner Lambert, and they produced Listerine and Trident and a whole bunch of different things. So I, I grew up there, uh, grew up a Cubs fan, have an older sister who's three years older than me, grew up playing baseball and just loving baseball, loving the competitive nature of baseball. And then I uh, went to school, you know, at University of Illinois and, you know, moved and did a lot of different things from from that standpoint but Rockford Illinois is where I grew up and so always a Bears fan when I was living up there there was always a big rivalry between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers and even though we're equidistant between the two we're in the Illinois state border so yeah I was a Bears fan and and a Cubs fan so the Cubs finally ended up winning uh, after a long period of time but I always enjoyed going and watching Cubs games with uh, with my family and my grandparents uh, would take me every once in a while as well so it was a great great place to grow up.
0: Wow, um, who was it that you the the guy that said "duh bears"? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, that, I mean that was in Saturday Night Live, and it was Mike Dicka, You know, they would oh yeah always try try to mimic Mike Dicka, You know, he'd have a cigar <laughs> and the you'd have the bears. You know, sweaters. They'd be like
0: ah, "duh bears, duh <laughs> bears." Yeah, <laughs> the I bears. yeah,
1: Saturday Night Live.
0: That was uh, that was a long time ago we're, we're, you know, we're, aging, memories, we're aging ourselves here, yeah, but, right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why i cut my i, I shaved my goatee off man yeah. it was like uh-uh, i ain't ready for gray to be shown yet yeah, it's just a little wisdom a little bit of wisdom <laughs> that's right that's right so so you uh did did you end up you said going you went to college
1: yeah i did yeah i went to Uni- university of illinois Okay. Yep, which is down you know southern southern um not quite full southern part but southern part yeah. of illinois from where i grew yeah. up yeah
0: i've only been up in that area a couple of times my um my brother w- went to the great lakes academy up there in, oh, okay. in waukegan yeah so i went That's up great. there it's a great it's a
1: great border. area the midwest yep. is a great area chicago's a beautiful city and yeah you know if you can get there in the summertime and you know the the river that runs through it, and obviously it sits on Lake Michigan. It's just a it's a beautiful city. It's a lot of energy, a lot of great food, a lot of music. So
0: yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a good place. Yeah, do you ever get back there?
1: Uh, every once in a while, my sister still lives there, and my mom and dad still live there. Um, but they typically come come visit us down in the south. I mean, just yeah. just yesterday or a couple of days ago, it had just snowed. It snowed up in Illinois and down here in Georgia. You know, it's been in the seventies yeah. and sunny, so it's a bit a bit different wow. of, the, of the weather
0: It snowed here in ohio too, just just oh, for the it? record. Yeah. I looked down yeah, and I'm like, that. No, this, this this can't be happening. Yeah, it Thank should you. be happening in April. <clears throat> it's crazy. So so um what what was your first real um, job? I guess.
1: Uh, well, I, I did a couple things. My first real job was uh, being a caddy at a uh, at a country club in Rockford, Illinois. I think when I was in in eighth grade is when I started caddying. So I caddied for you know some prominent people that were in, in the city there. So I actually learned quite a bit just being around those people and yeah. you know just you know. Doing what doing what I was doing, but listening on conversations. And then my freshman year in high school, I started um, landscaping with uh, with some friends of mine. And so I did I did landscaping every summer, all throughout high school and the first two or three summers of college as well. So it was great to come home, work hard every single day, sometimes six days a week, from early in the morning to late at night. You know, planting bushes, laying sod, driving bobcats, and wow. you know, taking someone's home and. You know, taking it from what it was to you know something something magnificent in a short period of time. But it was good to be with good friends to do it. Stayed in shape, got a good tan, and you know had yeah. fun while we were doing it. So yeah, I, I that that was the first job that that I did. Yeah.
0: So who who did who push? Did your parents push you into doing that, or was that something you did on no, your
1: own? No, no, it it was you know kind of you know sp- spontaneous spontaneous. We were wow. getting landscape work done. It at our home. And it was a friend of my sister's that, uh, you know, a, a younger guy that was in college, he was studying landscape architecture design at Iowa state university. And he was like, Hey wow. man, do you want, do you want to help me? He was in college at the time. D- would you mind giving me some help digging some bushes and whatever? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then, so we started doing it. He started getting more jobs. He was like, do you know anyone else that would want to work with us? I said, yeah, a buddy of mine that plays on the baseball team with me, he's a big boy. He's a linebacker too. He could probably yeah. push a wheelbarrow better than me. So when we get him to come do some hard work. And so that's how it was. It was just, it was more spontaneous. It just, it kind of happened. And the caddy thing had come up out of, I think just a, a conversation somewhere that someone said, hi, hey, I'm a caddy. I, you can make, you know, a dollar a hole and get a tip. And so I was like, I can do that. And yeah, I like golf. I had, you know, I played golf all the time growing up with, with my dad and our neighbors and I knew the sport and I liked it. And yeah, wow. so it was a unique, unique opportunity to do that.
0: Wow, man! So you started working pretty young, then? Yeah, yep. get yep. getting after it. That's I, lo- I love to hear that, man. <laughs> Kids today, man. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I got my son. He's he, when he turned thirteen, uh, you he him and me, my son and my daughter they play soccer here down in in the south and yeah they can start at age 13 to start roughing games. So I got him. Wow. you know, he went through a certification to go out there and, and rough games. Very similar. It's like $18 a, a game to go out and rough the game. So, you know, went to the bank, got him his own account and showed him how, to, you know, go out and do a little bit of work and you get money for something that, that you want. So
0: That's awesome, man. I love that. I love that. So they're not sitting inside playing on their iPads.
1: Yeah, I was. Oh well, no, sometimes they are just, all, right. uh,
0: all day long. No, they, they both enjoy
1: being online. My son loves online video games, and I'll get out yeah. in there and play with them too. I think it's it's a fascinating world it of is. online gaming, and it's a it's a big business uh, in and of itself. So I enjoy getting in there to see what's going on, and he enjoys it. A lot of his friends enjoy it. A lot of his soccer buddies enjoy it. So yeah. uh, I think it's important to also understand it from a business perspective, and also sh- share with him the business idea behind a fun game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. awesome, man. So, so um, wh- after college, what, what, what career did you, and what was your degree in, in, in college?
1: Oh, uh, well, I, it started, it, it, it kind of shifted and moved around a little bit. Uh-huh. I originally had this idea that I was going to go to college uh, and become a sports agent because I love sports and I uh, wanted to on the end of representing the athletes, and so yeah. I started off as a kinesiology major, which is the study of the body and the movement of the body. And
0: right.
1: so I had, you know, classes like racquetball and you know <laughs> ultimate frisbee, golf, and right. some
0: the tough cool,
1: ones, yeah, the real hard ones. And then you know <laughs> it got harder because you had to start taking labs and get into like chemistry and wow. those kinds of things. And so I, I sw- and so I switched my major from kinesiology to economics. And so I started studying economics and business, um, and I actually started a, a career path that's actually gotten me to where I am today while I was in school. Um, so I'd always done landscaping work, you know, during the summertime, and yeah. it was getting to the point of my junior year, and, you know, my dad was like, maybe you ought to think about looking at a different type of internship or a different type of something that has something to do with your degree. And so I went and got the school newspaper, which I never did. <laughs> and uh pulled it out and found a tiny little ad inside of there and said you know make your own hours earn as much money as you want and is in the financial services industry and so i uh, convinced my roommate at the time to go with me to go watch a presentation it ended up being a network marketing company a recruiting presentation my my roommate who's like i'm out of here he left but i was intrigued by the the guy that was giving the presentation he was a comeback player of the year from for brown university in football he was a head coach of the Barcelona Dragons football team over in Europe. So I just enjoyed him as a coach, as an athlete. I enjoyed his story. Yeah. And that ad in the, in the in the newspaper is what actually launched me into, uh, at the time in, in college, network marketing. So I started a network marketing business my junior year in college, and that's what I did. So when I got done at University of Illinois, I still – I left there, moved to a western suburb of Chicago, and that's what I did um, was yeah. – Build, build, and recruit a team. And what's interesting is the person that put the ad in the newspaper is now my brother-in-law. So I went from not not reading the school newspaper, not what? not knowing who this individual was, to answering an ad in a school newspaper, and uh, lo and behold, he's uh, you know he's now my brother-in-law. So I went fishing with just yesterday here in Georgia. So
0: so you married, yeah, interesting. You married his sister, or he married your? Sister? I
1: mar- I married his girlfriend at the time, is an identical twin her identical twin is, is my wife. So
0: Good yeah, Lord. very wild.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad to wow. thank goodness for the uh, old university of Illinois school newspaper. Found, I found two, my first I, career path and a woman. I, in my I,
0: I, I, that's incredible. And I took two guesses and got it wrong. No, nope, <laughs> that That's awesome. So, yeah. so, so, um, your very first, <laughs> your very first thing out, out you went to college to build a network marketing business i
1: went to college <laughs> yeah so we take get this a, a, a christmas it was in the financial service industry which means you had to hold a an insurance license and a uh, securities license right yeah.
0: so i
1: had to on a christmas break while most people are hanging out having fun you know and, and christmas break and out know, here i am studying for these exams and yep network marketing figured out how to recruit and build a team so yep i got pretty good at it
0: wow that's incredible, man. So, um, what I suppose you don't like talking about which company, but, um, what, what, what happened from there after? Cause I know you're,
1: yeah, that's right. So what, what happened from there was I kind of got, like I said, my, my dad was in uh, corporate America and he was doing a lot of bigger global, global deals. And, um, it just kind of opened up my eyes i was doing my network marketing thing I, I enjoyed what i did but i have you know tiny little offices and you know just doing the repetitive nature of what network marketing is and kind of got bored with it, yeah. it was really easy for me but i got i got bored with it and you know i wanted to pursue something different so i actually went and got uh an mba uh, from the new york institute of technology uh in you know global leadership and uh, finance and did that so when i got done with, with that i i i left the network marketing industry um my my wife and i got married right around that same time and i became a financial analyst uh for uh blue cross and blue shield and so i did uh, a lot of interesting things There worked in downtown chicago beautiful building right on lake michigan worked yeah. with a lot of great people from you know all different consulting companies and so it really began to expand my mind and my understanding I was really good with numbers but it, it became you know, people would make it aware to me like, wow, you understand numbers, but you can go into a boardroom and you can actually have a conversation and people are going to listen because the way that you're explaining what numbers mean, uh, the cost benefit analysis of it, or the idea to do something or the idea not to do something backed by numbers, but the ability to tell the story, communicate the story became valuable. And so I enjoyed doing that. I was part of a group of uh, a team that would go and each each blues plan you know, is, operates separately by state, so you would have Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, and we would go, I was part of a team that was part of the mergers and acquisitions team, that they would go and acquire another Blues plan from Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and then being part of the executive meetings of how do you integrate these these different separate businesses together, and so I started learning a lot about leadership, about communication, and understanding of numbers, and understanding of forecasting, and understanding of you know, just different things and, and what I liked and, and what I didn't like about that. I didn't like that I was sitting behind a computer a lot, even though I yeah. could crunch numbers and understand it. That wasn't what I enjoyed more was the conversation around what the numbers meant, not the you know, actual ability to create the the plans and the numbers. So it was, it was a great time of learning. I enjoyed working down there. It was beautiful and met a lot of great people while I was working there as
0: well. So, you know, I'd I'd like to back up a little bit and talk about your, your, um, you went to college for network marketing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, I I don't know why that makes me, that's, that's funny, but, but like, so the, because you and I, look, I, I am friends with Ray Higdon and Jess and I, I know, you know, there, I, I'm around a lot of network marketers, um a college education is not necessarily required to to that was, really not make at all. it and not at and all. and so um were you successful at that? Yeah, I was. Yeah,
1: absolutely and what yeah I was.
0: And, yep, was and recru-
1: knew how to recruit, knew how to sell, um, and knew how to began to learn how to build teams. Right, and uh, you know, it was during that time that I really I got introduced to personal development, which is what my passion is and dedication to my, my commitment to education. That that's yeah. where it started. Uh, I was never, I didn't like to read. You know, I wasn't a big reader. I wasn't a big, you know, anything. I was just an athlete that liked to compete and I liked to win. Yeah, and I liked having good good coaches around me. And you know, so when that those kinds of things d- disappear, that wasn't available in academic part of school. So when the network marketing opportunity came around and the the main guy that was presented to me was a, was an athlete, Mm. was a coach, you know, that resonated with me. He began to, you know, make me aware of, you know, some, some books, some, you know, about personal development. And because it was coming from someone that was kind of like a kindred spirit, uh, an athlete that liked to compete, that liked to win. Um, I took it to heart. So that's when, you know, I first got introduced to John Maxwell. Then I, I joined his – his. it was a tape. It was a tape thing. It would, you know, a packet would get mailed to me once a month, and it would be a little fill-in-the-blank workbook with the tapes. And as I'm on the train from the western suburb of Chicago into downtown Chicago to work for, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, I mean, I would – I would I was still listening to it years later, even after I had left network marketing for that part of it.
0: But John Maxwell became
1: – Cassette tape, yeah, yeah. and then it, you know, then moved to CDs and and yeah. online, and then I got uh, started, you know, opening up to like um, Franklin, Covey, Wayne Dyer, just a lot, a lot of inter- interesting people, and um,
0: Joe. yeah, I
1: mean, Joe, you never heard of it. I know, Joe, you've I'm it. sure he has. You need, you need, has a, you need to become more aware. We we need aware. to
0: help that dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's where that's where you know I, the. While I was in school, I saw I began to see the difference between the type of learning I was getting from an, an academic standpoint to personal development type of learning, which was became way more practical to me. It was like, yeah. you know, I could become a, a, a better marketer, a better leader, a better something. I don't need to just learn something to regurgitate it to get a grade. Right and that communication was going to become important the ability to lead was going to become important the ability to make a decision just a lot of different things just you know a lot of seeds began to get get planted in in me in that time and, and then i think leaving the, the field standpoint of it and then moving into a, a corporate you know setting of being a financial analyst it, it, it again showed me that there's limitations in, in that type of environment as well. Like while I was learning and I loved every minute of it and different things, it wasn't as free flowing as like network marketing wasn't as, you know, right. wasn't entrepreneurial, you know, and those kinds of things. And so what, what's very, very unique about, about that pivot is, you know, so I had left the field of the network marketing company, but the, the guy that I'm talking about that was, that was a coach, he ended up becoming the, the chief marketing officer of the company ultimately down here in Georgia. And so he had called, he had ended up calling me two years into my work at Blue Cross and Blue Shield and asked me, did I like it? Was I enjoying it? And I said, no, I'm actually kind of bored. And he said, well, you know, we need someone to come work on the executive team down in Georgia. You are in the field. You understand that. Would you be willing to, you and your wife be willing to move down to Georgia to become vice president of the company and oversee all of the United States and Canada. And I was, you know, 26, 27 years old at the time. and. Uh, I'd never been to Atlanta, so I flew down and, you know, I was like, well, "What's the worst thing that happened. My wife and I didn't have any kids. And I was just basically like, look, I, I know him. I trust him. I've been with the company before in the field. This is from an executive standpoint. I met yeah. with the president of the company at the time, loved him as, as an individual, the way that he led, the way he would allow me to do what I wanted to do. And so, you know, it was, you know, if it didn't work out, we could always move back. I was never, I'm never afraid of something not working out because I can always, I, I feel like I have enough strengths and believe in myself enough and thing with my wife and my family and they all support me and believe me that if you have a belief system around you that like, like reduces the risk uh, of going and doing something. And so that's what I did. We moved down here 16 years ago. And so I became uh, vice president of that network marketing company that I'd started in the field of college um, and became an executive of that company.
0: At 26 yeah. or 27 years old. Yeah.
1: Was yeah, it a big, big right. company? It's a big company. Yeah, wow. really big company.
0: And you're the you were you were the VP of sales,
1: vice president of sales for for that entire company. Yeah, wow. as an executive overseeing the United States and Canada, we probably had thirty thousand agents. You know, for recruiting five thousand people a month and into that organization. So it, it, it was yeah, it was a fascinating opportunity. Uh, and you know, when you when there's there's people that you know, there's people that you trust. Or, yeah. You know, an opportunity that's there, it's the old Richard Branson thing is, you know, you, when an opportunity gets presented to you, you just, just say yes and then you figure it out, you figure it out later. And, right. you know, I've never been afraid of, you know, just taking a risk that way. Yeah. Some people have a challenge with it, but, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out and you move back, <laughs> move back somewhere else and you start figure something else out. Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. I think that that, man, that's, um, I love that because you, <laughs> You went through, I mean, you have an MBA, dude. And like, it, 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 like you have all this formal education and, and they teach you in that, 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 you know, go get a job and, and, you know, get a 401k. That's right. Work 30 years and retire and live happily ever after until you die five years later. Right. That's right. <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. That's so, right. Right. Um, and you're like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. That's not the way it's going to go. Wow. No,
1: I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the formal learning for the sake of being able to understand something from a, from a different perspective right. and just the, the commitment to it. And, you know, I wasn't doing it to try to you, you get a higher salary or do anything right. to me it's just something that, you, you know, I had missed it earlier in my life and was just something that was there that it's just like, I need to go finish it and, you know, kind of, kind of check it off. Otherwise it's like a, an open loop that just keeps running. It's, yeah. and I would always known that it was there and just wanted to, you know, finish, finish it off.
0: You, you've, you've got people who are curious. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So um, from there, how, and how long, how long were you, let's see, you were at Blue Cross Blue Shield for how long?
1: Uh, I was there for maybe two and a half, two and a half years, two years, something like that. And then okay. when I came down to Georgia, I was okay. about the about the same amount of time before I pivoted from that role into what launched me out in, into the world. And so,
0: okay. you know, it it was
1: always that environment that created the other learning. Whether it was you know while I was in the field doing what I was doing, that created an opportunity, or you know something something totally different.
0: Yeah. So so you you ended up leaving that company i'm I'm gonna i I did
1: yeah, so yeah, it it was I had brought in an outside sales trainer um for it. so my job was pretty simple it was increase recruiting, help okay. increase recruiting and help increase sales revenue to to the company. And so I put together a couple I put together three different partnerships to to make it happen and and one of them was I was interviewing a lot of outside speakers to come in and put on uh, a big two day sales and leadership training. So I figured if you could teach people how to recruit uh, and sell at the same time, it wouldn't be recruit and then sell. It'd be if you could do them both at the same time. Two right. plus two doesn't equal four. You can actually create a, a massive uh, momentum swing. And so I had interviewed, you know, the first person I interviewed was the first person I started listening to was John Maxwell because he's here in Georgia. His price range was a little bit a little bit higher. You know, I, I did such a good job of convincing the president of our company that we needed to put on two-day sales and leadership trains. They said, Jason, it's such a great idea. I'm going to give you a budget of exactly zero dollars to get it done. And I took that as a challenge. And so I, I was hell-bent on proving that I could take a cost center called, called the sales and marketing department and turn it into a profit center instead of a corporate structure using entrepreneurial skills that I knew that I had. Mm -hmm. and so I had to find the right partner, the right educational partner that would, that would do that. And lo and behold, i landed on a guy by the name of Blair Singer, who was a sales rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki, who is, you know, wrote the book, rich dad, poor dad. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, You know, I flew Blair out to Atlanta. Uh, We had dinner and I explained to him that, you know, we've got a big field to go and train, but I didn't have a big budget to pay him a lot of money up front. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. Can you get the people in the room? And if you can get the people in the room, we can figure the finance part out. And so we did. And so that started a very great process. And we ended up, you know, training thousands and thousands and thousands of people all throughout the United States and Canada together. Blair Singer became a, a great mentor to me. Wow. He taught me how to educate from a stage. He taught me you know, a lot about myself, my power, and, and what I could do in, in those moments and in, in working with people that have, have been more successful at me at different things, but still being able to influence and empower them uh, by, by way of education. So he became a great mentor to me. Our sales, our recruiting went. You know, company wide, from five thousand people a month over ten thousand people a month, because of all the great field leaders being able to actually wow. take the information, actually execute on it, and do something great with it. Our sales over that time period uh, increased sixty five uh, percent as well. And you know, Blair had just said, "I don't know what you're doing in a corporate setting with your skills and talents. You actually, does, you should be out in." the speaking world. You should be out sharing your story. You're young. You've actually done something. You're in network marketing in the field. You, you've done all this other stuff. You've got an MBA. You're a financial analyst that you're a vice president. You're only 29 years old. Like now like dude, like you've got a story, you've got a story to share. And, um, you know, over the course of a year, he convinced me to to quit my job. And so he opened up, you know, the speaking world to me, but it was, very clear that it's an entrepreneurial path and, you know, no one's paying your salary, no one's paying your anything. And that it's, it's also an environment where you have to earn the right um, to make, to make it on a big stage and, and to, and to do those kinds of things. And, you know, it took, a, it took time to learn how to serve, you know, in that capacity to want to serve for the right reasons, as opposed to being selfish and like, Oh, I need to figure out how I'm going to make money. It's what was, what was my greatest intention for wanting to be in that world. And my greatest intention was because I wanted to empower people and I wanted to teach them as opposed to I'm trying to do this because it's going to make me money. And so over time, you know, that, that relationship with Blair allowed me to form a great relationship with uh, a husband and wife named Richard and Veronica Tan from Singapore. Over 30 years ago, started a company called Success Resources, which is the world's now the world's largest personal development event yeah. organizers on the planet. They, you know, own the exclusive rights to promote Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and all these amazing people all over the world. And and so that that relationship with Blair opened up a relationship with uh, with Success Resources and Richard and Veronica Tan over in Singapore. So I'd flown over there. I'd never been to Singapore, never wow. went anywhere, but flew over there and but I, know, I serve and bless. so yeah I
0: I, I have I, I want to back you up a little bit sorry um I, yeah, I just no I you know I I'm an entrepreneur I've been an entrepreneur I I, I was working for a company in Atlanta and um, went out and started my own business because I at 21 22 years old oh look who's on here <laughs> I have a great Esther yeah I love Esther he was
1: unbelievable. Man.
0: She is. Yep. Um, but you, so you, as vice president of sales for that company, um, and recruiting the massive numbers of people you were recruiting, you had to be making at least 50 grand a year.
1: <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I mean, I was making, yeah, I was making good money. Uh, yeah. I was making pretty, pretty, pretty good money. Um,
0: and you and left that, that you, uh, my point is, is you left a, it had to have been a big amount of money and, and you left there to, to be an entrepreneur with no salary, no nothing. Just, yeah. I'm going to go make yeah. this.
1: <laughs> exactly right. For most people, it's crazy, you know? And you know, That's the good awesome. thing is, you know, I have a wife that, that really supports me, that believe that believes in me. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a big part of it. You know, my my family supports me and, and believes in me as well, and 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 yeah. so sort of the mentor. So you know, it's why it's good to have good mentors, and
0: yeah,
1: you know, they're going to put push you into into your fear, and you know, go go take on a risk or a challenge um, that you may or may not even be fully aware of, of what it all means. Right, but you know, I, I was in a comfortable spot, you know, I was, you know, making great money uh, as an executive of a company. I also had a, a company credit card that allowed me to entertain uh, and provide great experiences for, for people that were out in the field, you know, do, doing the work day to day and being able to reward them. And, and a, lo- a lot of those people are just, were my some of my best friends at the time, you know, people that are, just really successful at what they do and they're still some of my some of my good friends now so like when i go out to california I, I cherry tree cherry awesome. tree. um yeah Lo- i love those you know two. yeah those two are un- unbelievable and yeah, they, they um, truly
0: are anyway go ahead sorry yeah,
1: yeah. and you know so a lot, a lot of the people who are in the field are still some of my good friends now that when i go to certain places you know i'll connect with them or you know reach back out to them But yeah, it was hard at the time, you know, it was, you know, it's, it's challenging to do it. That's why I said it took me a year to, it took me a year to actually make the decision to, to go and do it. And, um, you know, you just, it's a lot of, a lot of trust, a lot of belief in yourself, but yeah, I mean, there's fear, there's risk there, there's fear and risk in staying where you are too. And, you know, I don't want to be someone that's that lives with regret, that looks back and says, man, I wonder, uh, I wish I would have, or I I wonder what would have happened if I ever did that. And so, you know, I've always, you know, kind of moved to where my intuition is leading me to where you can test yourself and use your God given talents for the best of your ability to help other people in whatever capacity or way, that way that that is. And when the opportunity presents itself. I think that you feel right about it.
0: Do you think that that's a, a, um, cause I'm like that too, man. I'm like, you know, let's just jump off the cliff and build build a parachute on the way down or something, you know? Um, I think that a lot of people are very very adverse to they risk adverse right they're afraid to take that that chance like that like um, is that something you think is learned or you're just kind of born with it
1: uh I think I think it' be be both I really I honestly believe that the, the the context or the environment that you grow up in helps create a belief system it's not right or wrong some people like make everything wrong or like, it's, it's a terrible thing to, to be one way or the other. It's, it does, it's what's right for you. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, it's like the operating center of beliefs is you have, you have a belief system and those beliefs keep on turning inside of you. You have beliefs about money. You have beliefs about relationships. You have beliefs about knowledge or what you can learn. And you also have spiritual beliefs, you know? So there's these beliefs that you have and, the longer that you you have those beliefs, the stronger you hold on to them. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It's just that's the nature of, of a human. So if you have a belief system that says, I'm, I don't like risk, I like safety. Uh, and, you, and so the more that you have this belief, the, the stronger you hold on to it. And even if someone presents you with an opportunity that has more truth in it than what you've been saying or what you've been believing, even if it has more, more truth to it, you'll probably still choose your old behavior. Yep. For no other reason than you're in a battle between your ego and your spirit. You just don't want your ego to be, ego to be wrong and you don't want to have been wrong for your whole life for the past five, 10 or 15 yeah. years so you go, I'm just going to choose to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm just going to take that stance. And pretty soon you're run by run by that belief system. And that's why, you know, when you can get around certain types of people that you can really trust or that really mentor you or that can really have a tough conversation with you or you know, challenge you on, you know, your skill set, or they believe in you maybe a little bit more than than you do. That's why I always loved coaches and baseballs. You always have a coach that's just, you know, would believe in you and you go back to practice and you you work hard at it again. So what, hopefully what happens over time is you can peel back and open up your self-awareness, but some people just, you know, I think it's, you know, some people don't like to fail and they don't like to have someone say, oh, you were wrong for doing that. And you know, whatever, for me, it's more about my personal capacity of what was, what was, what did God put inside of me that was great that if I were to look at it and recognize it and use it every single day could benefit the greatest number of people possible. There's an old, you know, a, a mentor of mine, he's passed away, but I read a lot of his books. This guy by the name of Buckminster Fuller, he said, What could you do for 100% of humanity that could create, you know, spontaneous cooperation for all without any offense to anyone? And what would it, what would you do uh, every single day? And what are the talents that you have that if you offer them out to other people uh, could help them and could empower them. And that's, you know, just a way that I, I've lived my life. And, you know, sometimes it means you, you make a, a pivot, you make a change and you go use those skills somewhere else. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's a bit of both, you know, some people are, yeah. you know, just the environment that they're in, they just like the safety of, of what they do, the, the knowingness of, of what they do, but that can come, that can get hit too. So Yeah.
0: So you, you, you ended up, uh, I'm impressed with it, that you, you left this, this cushy job. <laughs> I mean, I had to, I, I hate to put it that way, but it had to have <laughs> been, and you just went, I'm going out. I'm going to make my there own was. Way. I,
1: you know, I was reported to the president of the company at the time, right. you know, the company got acquired, you know, it had been acquired by a couple other companies and it, it Jeez. would have been a very. You know, a long-term path. I had a, I pa- had, yeah. I had a. I had a pa- there was a pension plan, stock options. You know, all kinds, yeah. all kinds of the typical corporate scenario deals that that were in there. But wow. you know, for me, it was more about pursuing, pursuing who who I am and and what I'm doing. Because I honestly believe that you have a calling in life, or you have a purpose for your life. I think the, the reason that you're alive is reason enough to realize that you do have a purpose for your life. Because if you didn't, you know, you'd be doing something different. But yeah. And that what we do uh, echoes, regardless of your spiritual belief. I really do believe that what we do echoes against the backdrop of all of eternity, and that you know you'll be held accountable for what you were and how you did what you did. And Amen. Um, did you do it? Did you do it for the best of your ability? And so you know that's a guided, I'm more of a spiritually guided person over time that way, and in, in recognizing that you know there's really not a risk to it. There's a risk yeah. to not do it. It's wow. a bigger risk, so but yeah, that has to be learned, and that has to come with experience and time and failure. I mean, there's a lot of failures along the way too.
0: Wow. So, so what happened when you went out and on your own? Did you immediately start like you you made millions of dollars first year out? No, not
1: at all. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, you scratch and claw and fight your way, fight your way through it. No, it's tough times. It's really yeah. hard, hard times. You know, to to get out there yeah. financially doing something that you that. You're not used to doing um, right. in an environment that you're not used to doing it. And th- in this case for me, the world began to open up. I wasn't traveling the world doing those kinds of things, and the roles that I was in before it was always U.S. and you know Canada was the furthest I, I had gone. Yeah, you know now it's Singapore, Singapore. it's Asia, it's South Africa. You know these other places. And so when it first got started, it was good that I had a relationship with someone like Blair and that could help me. Uh, become friends with and and earn the right with the uh, uh, you know the people that were putting the events on and over the course of time maybe like a year or two years I began to you know identify my my own self inside of the personal development world and there's a couple different channels that you could run down a couple different channels that became opened up to me um, you know a lot of people try to create a brand around themselves and create a bunch of workshops and series about, around them and what they believe and that's great but yeah. that wasn't what I was pursuing I didn't feel like that that was a calling to me even though it was presented to me like hey you ought to create you know a series of workshops and we'll help promote them all over the world and create a brand for you and that wasn't appealing to me and you know the the second type of speaker in that world was a known celebrity someone that everybody knows and they paid money to come and see him whether it's Richard Branson or an athlete an entertainer or someone like Tony Robbins or Robert Kiyosaki. And, Clearly, I wasn't uh, a known person. They're not going to pay me a ton uh, to show up. But I carved a niche for myself in that world, which was an emcee and a host uh, for these events. And I became really, really good at it. I became really good at interviewing type A, you know, celebrities on a stage that didn't feel comfortable standing there and talking. I, I was able to create environments where we'd sit on a couch together on the stage and, I would ask them questions, very similar to how you're doing it. You're doing brilliant, or it just feels like you're you're having a conversation around a campfire, or, you know, in a family room with someone's home, and uh, that type of learning opens up a lot to people. And so I carved m- myself a, a niche as being a, an MC, right. and then I became the MC for all their big events with all their top that they had all over the world and so and then I also had a, a dueling role with that company which was more as a, an advisor to the owners and the executive team and the board of that company globally because I still had this business mind you know of yeah. you know how could you leverage technology and do different deals and you know just the different opportunities that get created out of those environments and right. so that became a, a great you know niche that, that I had over a decade that allowed me to you know, travel around to over 35 different countries and meet some of the world's greatest in personal development and wealth creation and entrepreneurship. And that's you how know, so I met Sherry and Esther was, was on an event in 2015. We we're doing a global tour with Robert Kiyosaki at the time. And I was the MC and host for that event. And there they are, they come backstage and I meet them and, you know, life ha- has its way that I to believe that if you continue to follow your, your, your calling and what you do, that these little, windows and doors of opportunity present themselves that i didn't do anything with sherry and esther in 2015 it wasn't until last year 2019 so four years later and then we decided to get into business together and um you know help build a, a company out a technology company out so it's just you know i think that you know the more that you believe in yourself and if you do if you do what you're supposed to be doing uh i think that life will continue to unfold and and open up other opportunities for you and stuff and you have to pursue every opportunity it's a, a challenging thing that most people like to try to like you know fish with a shiny lure and they just go after everything or a squirrel trying to grab a hundred different nuts it's it's really the more self-aware you are you know the better the more comfortable you feel in a certain spot and just just want to become the world's best at what you do and that's what i i did in that person about where i was i just want to be the world's best MC and host at the time and I enjoyed introducing people to a lot of other people, which I'm sure you get the joy out of too. You get to, yeah. you know, every week, you know, bring somebody else on and introduce them to people that are looking for something. And I was never ignorant or arrogant enough to think that, oh, geez, I have all the answers and I'm the only person you need to listen to. It's, yeah, no, let me introduce you to, you know, Susie. Let me introduce you to John. It's like, you know, the old Ed McMahon thing up here's Johnny, right? Like, <laughs> yep. you know? there's Johnny, go listen to Johnny and, you know, I'll be your friend and I can introduce you and I can challenge you and, and do all those kinds of things. But it's, it's more, who do you need to hear from at this moment in time? It's what's more important than, you know, listening to me or listening to, you know, just somebody.
0: Uh, dude, I, I absolutely love that. Cause I, you know, there are, there are people that think that, that, you know, Hey, I'm the only one you need to be listening to. And, right. and, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm very open about this. I, I, I'm a recovered alcoholic with 17 and a half years sober. And, and I've been in a lot of wow, those nice. recovery meetings where it's like, you know, I, I had to get from a place of, of comparing myself to everyone in, in those rooms to yeah. looking for the similarities. So I could take what I needed from that and, and leave what I didn't need behind. And I, I think that um the world needs to stop being so dang judgmental. <laughs> that's right. You <laughs> I mean, absolutely right. Right? Cuz you're you're really just hurting yourself by being like that. Um like, you know, Joe Ingram. I I've been trying to get through to him for quite a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's tell you got to him. He's got all the answers.
0: <laughs> but you know, so what about the people though? because you said something a second ago, you know, all you have to do is believe in yourself. I, and I paraphrase that, but it was something like that. There are, I mean, I, I have never, I've not even come close to recruiting the number of people you have, but I've recruited salespeople to work for me and trained them and all that. And, and interviewed probably thousands. Um, and you know, uh, you can tell within about 30 seconds Like, okay, does this guy really, you know, the sincerity, you can tell if he believes in himself or not, or herself. And, and like, you know, what about the people that don't believe in themselves? Do we just cast them to the side? How do you, or do you just, do you, do you try to figure out, okay, here's what you need to do. And I, I, we're going to talk about bank code here in a minute too, because it's unbelievable. Um, I actually have my my bank code pulled up on the screen behind us here. <laughs> I'll bet you could guess what I am. But anyway, um, you know the it's it's very interesting. So I, the people that have a tough time believing in themselves, what do you what do you how do you guide those people?
1: Well, I I think the the first thing is you can't change anyone, right and. True. The best you can do is to create an environment for them to grow, and you know I oftentimes will will draw draw this picture if you indulge me. I always have a whiteboard, but it's it's like this. It's one of my favorite things to to draw is this this flower.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so you know everyone is like a flower, and everyone realizes that there's there's sun, right? There's rain.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You see that? There's rain. There's fertilizer. Yeah. And then there and then there's the the dirt. And so what's really really important about this is is recognizing that the the rain does not cause the flower to grow, right? The sun does not cause the flower to grow. Right. The fertilizer does not cause the flower to grow and the dirt does not cause the flower to grow. Right? But when all the conditions are there for the flower, right? Can you see that? All right when all the conditions are there for the flower, the flower can become what the flower is already predestined to become anyways. Right. So a lot of people say, well, all you need is sunshine, all you need is inspiration and motivation. But uh, if all you gave a flower was sunshine, the flower would die. Right. And then some people say, well, you just, all you need is rain. All you need to do is, is make it rain. All you need is some more money to solve all your problems. But if all you gave a flower was rain, the flower would die. Yep. Some people say, well you just need fertilizer. Well if all you give a flower was fertilizer it would die same thing with dirt if all you give a flower was dirt then the flower would die. but uh, human beings are the same way. Uh, it, when all the conditions are there, at the right time, at the right moment in the right amount, the flower can become what the flower is already predestined to become anyways right And wow. To many people give too, too much satisfaction to the sun, to the rain, to the to the fertilizer to to the dirt, but the same thing is true of a human being. You're you're predestined for greatness. And is if you're a human, then I honestly believe that you're a living, breathing miracle that's been predestined for greatness. I just honestly believe that about yourself. And so I'm going to honor that. You may want to believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. That's, that's free choice. That's free will. But that's the difference between someone battling their ego versus their spirit. And so if I can create an environment that uh, is, is loving or nurturing or supporting, or if I'm an empowered leader that can become aware of it. man, maybe you need some sunshine today. So let me pump some sunshine into you. Or let me, maybe you're, you're, this person over here needs sunshine, but you actually need rain. Well, let me give you what you need at this moment in time, or maybe you need fertilizer. Maybe you need dirt. The problem is, is that people have a belief system and they can't do it because they're that sometimes they don't get around people that believe in them. Um, and maybe sometimes it's just getting in a different environment. Maybe it's just reading a book. Maybe it's just listening to your show. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Maybe it's just slowly allowing yourself to become self-aware because the more that you become self-aware, now all of a sudden you can move down a process of self-management. You're not going to change anything about yourself until you're aware of it. You're not going to go to a gym and work out and try to get physically fit until you become aware that, wow, I'm a little fluffy. Maybe I shouldn't be eating so many pieces of chocolate cake. Even though, you know, there's only two things you need to do to get physically fit. You could ask a question anywhere in the world. There's only two things you need to do to get physically fit. Eat right and exercise. But there is a million ways, a million strategies on how to eat right and a million strategies or ideas on how to exercise. All you have to do is you just did both every single day over a long period of time. You'd probably be pretty fit. Right. And so people think that it's like these awesome miraculous things that need to take place. And, you know, these massive epiphanies and aha moments, you may have them, but it's really just what are you going to do every single day? So if you have a belief system that's more negative than positive, one of the simplest things you can do is just be create a daily gratitude journal. Just ask yourself, what am I grateful for today? Just that one question a day. If you ask that question of yourself every single day. Over a long period of time, at some moment, awareness would open up. At some moment, that belief system that I was talking about would begin to to shift from I'm holding on to this belief to maybe I'm going to be willing to let go of that belief. Right. Because maybe that belief isn't serving me to where I'm trying to get to. Maybe it served me in my past. And again, the problem is people make it right versus wrong. Right. It's not about right versus wrong. That's your ego like trying to battle you. Your spirit knows. And sometimes it, it just takes a long time. So it's never given up on someone. Oh, they just have a belief system and it's not never going to change. It's just not my experience. It may just be not right now. The flower's not ready to bloom yet. It's not, you know, it just needs a little more sun. It just needs a little more water. And over time, over time, odds are it will become what it's predestined to become. Some people are, you know, they always hear the, the phrase people are late bloomers or some people are early bloomers. They're, you know, it's, it's you are what you are. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's not right or wrong. It's are you are you open? And most people aren't open, so you can't change someone. So the best thing you do is help create the environment that would allow them to safely start moving down down the path.
0: That, that that's, is- what, that's what I loved
1: about the events. And like yeah, I'm seeing a host, I loved creating an environment that would make them feel like they were safe. Um, everyone was here for their best interest. And yeah. that the, the fact of the matter is they showed up, right? They came to the event looking for something, which is the biggest pro- point in the whole process. It doesn't matter who's standing on the stage teaching. The fact that you showed up is what yeah. was important that you were willing to come into an environment to learn. And, um, you know, some people, it takes them longer than others. Uh,
0: that, that might be the, the flower thing. Show, show the flower on the on the whiteboard, if you would, again that is one of the most amazing analogies i think of and simple it's amazing and simple or it's simple and amazing i'm not sure which one first but wow dude so so because you're you're absolutely right you're absolutely right there are lots of people that that I've read all the motivational books and've I've been to every seminar and I, there's That's there great. are there are seminar addicts. I truly believe I know. that I I've, seen, I've seen them <laughs> you're like I, I know that. yeah they all know me by my first name. Uh, so, so heard of them Yeah but they don't do anything with it right? right And it's yep. and it's because they're missing the other elements. They're getting too much yeah, sunshine, yeah. not enough rain. Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, and that there's a there's an element of uncertainty that that's there for them. you know there's more fear than there is love of becoming who they're supposed to become.
0: Yeah,
1: wow. Right, and so, so I said it, it's like it's a dance between your ego and your spirit. And you know it's it's you stop yourself. You can convince yourself to not do anything, or you convince yourself to do something. Um, and it, like I said, it, it's not right or wrong. It's are you aware?
0: Yeah.
1: Are you aware of it?
0: So, so talk about a little bit, you know, you met, you said you met, um, Esther and Sherry back in, um, 2015, 2015. Yeah. and then right. you, and, and didn't do anything until last year, 2019 last year. That's right. And, and what, what are a couple, I mean, besides they're two of the most amazing humans on planet earth. True. What are? Did you ever sleep in a warehouse or a storage unit?
1: (laughs) No, never slept in a storage unit like Sherry. But I have great, great respect and admiration for it. Yeah, and you know, I met. You know, I doing what I was doing. I had met every sales trainer, speaker, marketing person, stock trader. You know, a lot of these programs are are workshops that are sold at, at a lot of these events. Globally, and so I didn't I didn't know so we're in Vietnam um, Robert Kiyosak was the, the headliner and So we have, I have a lot of other speakers that would come and so Sherry was one of one of the speakers she was present, presenting on sales a lot of times I get I would tune out the the sales speakers Especially if they're selling a workshop, um, but she came backstage with Esther and she had the cards. I'm sure she showed, showed them to you, and, you know, so backstage she's asked me to sort these cards in order of what was most valuable to me from from most important to least important. And uh, I distinctly remember having the cards. Esther actually took a picture of it. She still has a picture of that moment backstage in Vietnam. But I remember the simple, the simplicity of it. And I I enjoyed the simplicity of it. And because I was learning something about myself in the process, and I enjoyed the two of them and just the conversation between them, which, yeah, you got them right there. And um, (laughs) that's awesome. And... And so I I think you you realize, so then I was, you know, I was wanting to listen to what Sherry had to say. And, you know, she got up there and I I wanted to listen for the whole 90 minutes and she's just a master communicator. And so I, you know, I've been around, like I said, the the best of the best all, all over the world. And as soon as she got on the stage and as soon as she started communicating, I was like, man, she, she is unique. She's a master communicator. And it's not like uh, a hypothesis, a, a theory. She actually gave them the practic- practicality of here's what you can go do, right? You can simply take these cards and actually go do something with it today. You can actually right. use this stuff right now. And I loved the the practicality of being able to implement something that you just learned because that's the biggest gap. You know, people learn a lot, but they don't do a lot. Right. And so she, she bridged a gap and she bridged a gap in something that's extremely important, which is around someone's personality type um, and whether they're a blueprint action nurturing or knowledge type of person. And um, I liked that she was presenting a way to communicate to people much like the flower, right? Much like this flower. This is my paradigm, right? And she created a a methodology that allows you to communicate to someone, not based on who I am, but based on who they are, which was extremely empowering uh, that if you can communicate to somebody in the way that they were authentically designed to be communicated to the uh, the opportunity for communication to land was going to be increased and the opportunity to create an environment for learning and leading and influencing and empowering that person would be increased because you'd be speaking to them in a way that they were designed to receive communication and so i loved it and i loved the two of them we had breakfast the next day uh we didn't we didn't do anything but i i followed them we were friends on facebook and my wife was friends with them on facebook you know she had never met them and I love the way that they lived their life. I loved who they were. I love that they were dedicated and principled to to building their business and taking it out to, to the world, which they've done. And then, um, you know, every year we'd always get on a phone call, much like I would with a lot of other people that were on, on the tour. It's just loving, loving them and seeing what they were doing. And, you know, if there was ever an opportunity, they always wanted to, to do something together. And, you know, I was just enjoying what I was doing, but the the end of last year, They're taking all that methodology and creating this company, Codebreaker Technologies, which was taking that methodology and turning it into artificial intelligence and making a pivot from just pure education, just stand on a stage and educate workshops and have people out there doing the same thing to taking the methodology into technology that could be implemented inside of a lot of companies, licensed globally all over the world so that people could have that same methodology, but in a more simple manner and in an artificial intelligence. And that really, uh, got me inspired to be able to, to come work with them, to show them how to, you know, help license it and put it into larger companies so that you can empower way more people than you could just stand on a stage. Yeah. And, you know, it's a methodology that's been proven and I, I like the dedication to it. And so I liked that challenge of being able to, it's a hard challenge. It's a hard pivot um, yeah. to go from just education to technology. But as long as the technology is educational then it makes a, a world of difference. That's something that's worthwhile. So it was, again, it's just another, you know, pivot along the way, another unfolding process.
0: Yeah. But I, I look at this and, you know, from my perspective, I, I after hearing your, your, your story and how it all unfolded, you, you, you know, it, it, it all comes together, man. And what you're doing now with the math and the numbers and the, Technology and the and sales and recruiting and network marketing—it's all like come together in this giant formation of of who you were supposed to be. You're the flower,
1: right? I'm the flower. So I look at my—that's how it's how, it's how I look at my life. That's how I look at people. So every time I get an opportunity, I will draw it. If you've ever been on any stage anywhere in the world, me—it's the first, even before I introduce all the other awesome speakers who everybody knows. I'll there needs to be a flip chart and needs to be a marker. I'm going to draw a flower. And wow. it's just, I think that people, it, they, they'll resonate with it because just like you said, the, the practicality of it, but it, it is a metaphor. It is, you are predestined for greatness and, yeah. um, you know, you just got to realize what, what do you need at this moment in time? Or what does somebody else need at this moment in time?
0: So, so, and, and I, I also have the book. So yeah. as, as soon as I, I interviewed Sherry first and, and I was like, I was just, I mean, you know, I was blown away, blown away. Yeah. um She's One amazing, of the best, best interviews ever that I've had. And, and so, so, you know, I think what you're, so you're the vice president of sales with the company, um right? Is that right?
1: Oh yeah. Of licensing and strategy for them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How to take what they do and license it and the, global strategy for, you know, taking what which she's developed for, for so long and trying to find ways that we can leverage it and empower as many people as possible utilizing the methodology know, through technology.
0: Okay. Um, and And I'm assuming it's just exploding for you as well.
1: It started to it, the the you got to remember the pivoting from education to technology is always a pivot. So there's always yeah. a, a slowness that, that happens when you pivot to do something. Yeah. But it's it's the process of, of building momentum, which I think a lot of people underestimate um, the process of building momentum, and that they want success to happen so fast, and they, they quit them themselves before. The laws of momentum can't come into play play for them. And I think that when you when you have people like Sherry or Nestor and just the different people that are around us that have the tenacity, that have the persistence, that have the patience, and also have the long term uh, intention of wanting to empower as many people as possible through it, then yeah. you know you you can move through the momentum. And what we're seeing right now is that there is a uh, an awakening with a lot of corporations globally that have large dispersed sales teams yeah. that recognize the power of the methodology, but recognize the power of the the technology with the methodology and that they could have an executive team like ours with our experience around personal development, around human development, around empowered leadership, that it's not just a technology company. It's a technology company that's run by uh, people that love to empower other people and know how to build leaders and know how to not just you know use the technology, but use it in a way that actually amplifies and allows someone to become the best version of themselves possible based on who they are. yeah, not who they who we who someone tells them that they should be. It's who they are, and that's there's magic in the power of that.
0: so' for for somebody not that that didn't see my interview with with Sherry or Esther that maybe, um, like I know Larry, Larry Schneider is a, uh, is a, is a, I, I don't know what you call him, a partner in the, the deal. <laughs> I know he's yeah. involved. Um, yeah, we have a whole
1: whole host of certified trainers and different affiliates that are out there. We're yeah. actually just launching a, a coaching program for people that want to just learn how to coach with the methodology. So, I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of demand, a lot of interest in wanting to partner with us, yeah.
0: What it so explain in lay terms if you could, um, for somebody not familiar with with the code breaker technologies or the bank code, um, in lay terms, what 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 is it?
1: Well, the it was started out with Sherry, just like the book that you said, why they buy. It's predict buying behavior in ninety seconds or less. And uh, so, if you're someone that's in in the business of dealing with people, and if you're in business, you're dealing with people. Yeah. And so, the methodology was created to understand uh, and predict. Uh, We're the only validated process that's out there that predicts buying behavior based on someone's personality type. And it'll tell you that in an instance so that if I'm selling you something or communicating to you that I know your predominant bank code, uh, like I said, bank is an acronym that stands stands for Blueprint Action Nurturing Knowledge. It just means that people have a different set of values. It's not right or wrong, but they just have a different set of values based on who they are. And so if you could understand that with your prospect, at the beginning of the sales cycle, it would make your communication to them during the sales cycle more effective uh, and more efficient and more accurate, which means that you can shorten the sales cycle. You can shorten the amount of energy and time it takes to do something. And the same thing with artificial intelligence tool is the ability to copy and paste some text, even audio to text files of someone that you're interested in communicating to it could be their LinkedIn profile it could be a Facebook post it could be a messenger post or WhatsApp, whatever you can just literally copy paste it hit a button in a nanosecond it'll tell you our artificial intelligence will tell you their buying behavior uh, and what their value set of values are instantaneously so that's the front end component of us predict buying behavior in less than 90 seconds with our AI tool in nanoseconds but the larger component of it is is like I present with the the flower is that You'll, you'll realize that your ability to communicate is increased your imp- ability to run a team to lead to influence and to empower others will be greatly enhanced by understanding uh, this framework or paradigm uh, of communication with people so it's it's a tool uh, that allows tremendous uh, empathic communication to take place um, wow. you know people tell us about relationships they have with their children or their spouse or a business partner or somebody else. So the that's the bigger benefit of it at all. And that's the, the intention for going out there. But the, the veil, you know, the piercing of the veil is sales and predicting buying behavior.
0: And if you have, if you're in any kind of a bit, if you're in a marriage or a relationship Anybody. or have children, you deal you're people. in sales.
1: <laughs> you deal with people. <laughs> right, right. You talk to a person.
0: Right. If you're alive, hey there's a good that's chance it. you're in sales. Robert
1: and sales. Kiyosaki, and we, we'll be honest, you know, we say business would be a lot easier if there were no people involved. But <laughs> unfortunately, there's unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, there's people. And so, that's, that's you know, true. and the population is, is growing. And so your ability to communicate in the world, you know, is, is what it is different languages, different cultures. If you don't have people, yeah, I mean, the other thing that i lo- loved about the, the methodology and why i would come and, and partner with them is it's one thing to have sales skills right it's another thing to have people handling skills and if you were to put weight on one, one or the other it's the people handling skills that is most valuable over time because the people handling skills is part of sales skills but most people just isolate just sales skills and they only want to just learn a sales skill. So if you have the opportunity to learn one or the other, I would encourage you to learn people handling skills because it'll serve you in any capacity, in any avenue of your life, anywhere in the world.
0: Wow. Man, I cannot believe we've been on here an hour and four minutes. This is flown by. One, one last question. I, I don't want to, I know your time's valuable. I just wanted to ask, I ask everybody, what do you think, the number one thing is that holds people back in life? Um,
1: I think it's the fear. I think it's, for me, it's really a battle between their ego and their spirit. And I, I think that the ego for too many people wins the day and it makes, it's there to protect you and create fear, anxiety, you know, which is a, a, a bag of emotions that, that sits there. Yeah. And I don't think that too many people tap in tap into their spirit or spend enough time, you know, tapping into their spirit, being grateful for what they do have, what is the true purpose for you being here. And I think that if you spent a little bit of time doing that every day, whether it's praying or meditating or getting connected to to your spiritual side, I think that's what creates a foundation for you to make fear go down and love of who you are and, and what you're called to do go up. And at some moment in time, the the scales will shift, yeah. and will allow you to to go become what you're supposed to become. But it's you know, it's the inability that don't people know how, don't know how to make a decision to start doing that. But um,
0: you know, shows what, like
1: yours and people like you help help open that up.
0: I'm I'm trying, man. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing doing good. So so what what website would would people go to if they wanted to number one. Check out their bank code or connect with you, or how, how, how would they?
1: Yeah, they can go to crackmycode.com, you know, www.crackmycode.com, and you can go crack your code. If you wanted Sherry's book, you go to whytheybuy.com.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, it's a great, great, pro- great process to, to begin. And, yeah. you know, just go, it's a 90 second process to go and sort cards and you have an awesome report about yourself. Hey, Caesar, it's a good friend of mine down in, in Columbia an awesome um, guy he, he himself empowers a lot of hey, people He's got Caesar. a great son over australian as well i hopefully made it back home but.
0: dude you are um you're, you're you're wow we need to be closer friends i'd love that <laughs> yeah you you're you're a wealth of knowledge and wisdom I'm very grateful. I appreciate you spending the time, taking the time to, to come on here and, 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 and be with us today and share your thoughts and your wisdom. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Where's the best place for everybody to connect with you?
1: On Facebook or Twitter, you know, Facebook is just my name on Twitter. It's, you know, play big and, or Instagram. Yeah. I'm happy to connect with me anywhere. Um, you know, I try to awesome. connect with as many people as possible. If you have a question, happy to happy to answer
0: Jason, thank you so much. Thank you for being on. Thank you to everybody who's been on here and shared this out. Uh I, I can't uh I can't this this is incredible. So thank you. And we will well, see you. you guys later. Jason, thanks so much.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me. Bye bye.